Hayeled enenu ve'ani ana ani va. That is not a Hebrew tongue twister that we were all required to learn in rabbinical school. It is, I think, one of the most stirring lines of this week's Torah portion of Vayeshev, striking not just for its meaning and context, but for its sheer poetry, vowels and consonants tumbling over each other in a frenzied outcry. Hayeled enenu va'ani ana aniva. The boy is not here, and I, where shall I go? The line is delivered by Reuben, Leah's firstborn, eldest of all of Jacob's children, after he finds that his brother Joseph has been sold into slavery. The brothers, we learn, hated Joseph, who their father gave special treatment, and sought to kill him. Reuben, thinking on his feet, tells the younger siblings not to harm the boy. Instead, he has them put Joseph in a pit. Reuben has a plan. He'll come back and rescue Joseph from the pit and return him to their father. And yet, when he returns, he finds the pit empty. Hayeled enenu, the boy is not here. Va'ani, Ana ani va. What on earth will I do now? We don't usually talk about Reuben. He's the oldest brother, but in true Torah fashion, the younger brothers are much more important. We do not say a blessing that our children be like Reuben's sons. There is no Broadway show called Reuben and the he doesn't have a dream coat. But the Torah actually offers us several opportunities to follow Reuben's story, his own growth and progression, alongside his brother Joseph. Reuben's despair at finding the pit empty is an inflection point, epitomized in the palindromic ring of his words, va'ani, ana, ani, va. Where am I coming from? And where will I go now? Not just how will I relay this news to our father, but who is it exactly that I have been? And who exactly would I like to be? We first meet Reuben after his birth as a pawn in the fertility wars. That is not the latest Star Wars sequel. The fertility wars between his mother, Leah, and her, and her sister, Rachel. Reuben, a boy, is out playing and comes home having picked Dudaim, translated as some kind of a flower or a root of a mandrake, believed to be powerful in increasing fertility. Rachel begs Leah for her nephew's prize, hoping it will finally allow her to rival her fertile sister. Leah gives Rachel the Dudaim, but bargains for her own prize in return. More time with Jacob, their shared husband. Through the whole story, Reuben is present, but he never speaks. He learns at a young age that his family dynamics are nowhere near simple. But in his youth, at least, 
he keeps as passive a distance as he can. Later, as a young man, in last week's portion, we learn that after Rachel's death, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. We know that Jacob hears of the incident, but neither father nor son confronts the other. It passes as a blip on the biblical radar. But if we think of this act as part of the arc of Reuben's story, we see he's beginning to insert himself more actively into the complicated Mishigas of his family, but only in secret, only for his own personal pleasure, never to be discussed. Which brings us to this moment, as Reuben's story truly intersects with Joseph's. We're left feeling, I think, a little bit like Tevya. On the one hand, Reuben does try to keep his brothers from killing their younger sibling. He takes a stand for someone other than himself. On the other hand, your plan was to throw the boy in a pit and come back for him later? It's the most passive, active option that Reuben has. A 16th century commentary asks, if Reuben knew that Torah would say of him that he tried to rescue Joseph, he would have lived up to what rescue really means. He would have taken his brother over his shoulder and brought him back to Jacob himself. Va'ani, ana ani va, and I, where shall I go? In the aftermath of his failure to take decisive, courageous action to truly put himself on the line for another, who will Reuben become? Well, we'll see the journey play out in the upcoming portions of the Joseph story. Joseph, as we know, will rise to power in Egypt and will be reunited with his brothers when they come from their homeland seeking respite from famine. Joseph, in disguise, will demand that they return with Benjamin, Jacob's final surviving son of his beloved Rachel. And as the family returns home and they discuss what to do, Reuben, finally, will step forward. He will promise to return Benjamin safely, or his life and the life of his own sons will be forfeit. He has found, it seems, the answer to his question at the empty pit. He will become a person who takes decisive action in the face of familial crisis. He will sacrifice of himself for love of his father. He has learned empathy. Wouldn't it be nice if the story ended cleanly right there? Wouldn't it be great? Reuben goes from hapless youth picking flowers and vagabond young man to an older, wiser, more compassionate and giving version of himself. Reuben's musical closes with a triumphant final song. And the truth is that he does grow in exactly this beautiful and complicated way. But there's a little coda to Reuben's story. At the end of Jacob's life, when it comes time for each son to be blessed, Reuben, eldest brother, now self-sacrificing and brave, 
is defined by his father, by his past mistakes, rather than the full arc of his growth as a person. Jacob remembers his son's betrayal and makes no mention in the blessing of his later more admirable deeds. But I think the fact that Reuben's story ends in this way is essential to teaching us a deeper lesson. Yes, we should model ourselves on Reuben's growth and trajectory. We should, when faced with those catastrophic moments where we did not do enough, when we ask ourselves, where will I go now? We should use them as springboards for growth. We should learn, as he does, from our mistakes. And yet we also must come to terms with the fact that sometimes we become better versions of ourselves and others, even our parents, only see us for who we were and not who we now are. That person who you teased a little too much in high school, or maybe who teased you, who you haven't seen since graduation, will never know the gentler, more compassionate, the stronger and more courageous you who sits in this congregation today. The coworker or client or customer who you let down in a big way three jobs ago might never see the way that big mistake has helped make you better. Your siblings or parents or lifelong friends might always carry around the picture of you as an overly sensitive little kid or a selfish teenager or a commitment-averse young adult, though you know that you are far more than just those snapshots of your journey. Does that mean it was all for nothing? Does that negate the beauty of your growth? Will that keep you from learning in the future? I urge you tonight to continue growing anyway. The blessing is not in the accolades or in having everyone recognize that you have changed. The blessing is in allowing yourself to ask again and again with each mistake and inflection point, with each empty pit, va'ani, ana ani va, and I, where am I going? The blessing is in listening for and following your own answer.